Hey, this is Craig Wade and Brian Allen Delaney from B Movies and Ebooks, a podcast about cult and horror films and genre fiction. You can catch new episodes on iTunes and Stitcher every Wednesday, or you can watch us live on Blab.im Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Central. B Movies and Ebooks. We bleed fiction. The following podcast is a B and E Network exclusive. We are finally, finally. I can't believe I'm. <laughs> I finally found a chance to sit down and do this, um, for lots of different reasons. It's just it being the holiday season, and you know, I have a kid now, so that makes it extra busy. Uh, I've been working on a ton of stuff, which we'll all get into. Um, so that's a reason. Um, but yeah, it's just you know, yeah, it's just been a little hectic. Um, and I wanted to wait and kind of get all my thoughts like perfectly together for this one. This one is just going to be just me by myself, um, shooting from the hip, I guess. I do have some notes, but I kind of just let it roll out stream of consciousness. Consciousness. So we may jump around a little bit, but um, it'll serve as kind of a as as they always do when we ever take a break. Whenever we take a extended break, it'll be kind of a refresher slash catch up. Um, yeah, it'll just be me because Chris is... I'm going to try to smack less, too. I noticed that I do that a lot. Um, so I'm going to try to be cognizant of that. Um, Chris is actually out in... He's in Colorado right now working on a feature. Uh, so I did it again. Damn it. Okay. Don't smack. Uh, he was in, he's in Colorado working on a feature. Before that, he was in L.A. And then I think after the Colorado thing wraps up, he's going back to L.A. Although I think he may be home for a few days around Christmas. But I know that... I mean, those days are already hectic for me, so I doubt that we'll get uh, hectic for a cool reason, too, in addition to the holiday cool reasons. Uh, we'll get to that, too. Um, I just don't – I doubt that we'll have time to get together and record. If we do, we'll do one, um, and then I'll I'll put that one up, you know, after – in January or whatever. But uh, I don't hold out hope because he's been gone for a while, so uh, I know he wants to spend that time with family. Um, so anyway um, – Man, a lot's been going on. Uh, Let me see. What is – there's so much to talk about. I don't know where to start. I mean, I did that post with the guitar where I was talking about sort of – I mean, a lot of this stuff I've mentioned in some of the older podcasts where – so I mentioned that Harvey screwed a bunch of stuff up and flooded us out. I mentioned that – my business, my LLC got kind of screwed for a while. Um, and it kind of ruined a bunch, uh, kind of ruined a bunch of, uh, uh, movie business dealings, I guess for a little while, but we got it, we got it sorted out relatively quickly. Thanks to my, uh, thanks to my, you know, business partner and stuff, but, um, it's still, it had ripples. So I finally cleared all the, I was able to clear all that up and get that fixed. And I actually didn't know I was going to just kind of burn it all to the ground and not literally, but you know, just sort of shut it down and start a new shingle. But it turns out, I mean, it's probably, it's not the best time to do that, especially since we're finishing up Imago now. And that was all, I'd have to just redo a lot of stuff that we did other movies under. 
Um, and I just don't want to deal with that. And, you know, upstart still does mean something to me. Although I may eventually be doing another uh, production shingle. Uh, but anyway, I, I was able to get all that cleared up, which is sort of a big hurdle. And then that kind of opened up the gate for me to kind of really pull the trigger on a lot of other things. Um, I guess we'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get to that in due time. But um, so things that have been going on that we've mentioned before, uh, we are like, I think we're on the last two sh- two shots that we're waiting on for the uh, movie formerly known as Imago. So we'll probably have that. We're already setting up time to go do the final mix with Greg in January. Um, honestly, if he had been free before then, I probably would have found a way to just cut around those two shots because I'm just ready to get it done. Um, but uh, we are good to go on that. Like we, uh, There's a couple lines I got to record, uh, just minor things that now with the new re-edit that will help things flow better. Uh, we'll probably do that while we're out there. Um, but it's real minor stuff. Um, if I haven't mentioned it, Two Star Symphony is doing working on new music for us now. They actually called me a couple nights ago, and I got pretty excited about that. Um, I got pretty excited about that. Well, UPS finally showed up. Can you believe it? They totally screwed me yesterday. I'm going to go to the door and get this package right now. I'm so excited. Pause for one second. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. I've just been kind of stressing over this stuff, but that's a good segue. Um, UPS just dropped off this package, <clears throat> and it is, um, it's Mickey ears that are embroidered with my daughter's name because part of her Christmas present is that I was able to um, get my family, pay for my family to do a whole uh you know, trip to Disneyland out next August um, for her birthday, for her seventh birthday, which is something I would have never been able to do up until very recently. Um, yeah, that, buying the guitar, if you can't figure it out, like a lot of things have changed drastically. Uh, and again, it's just because I basically, well, it's for, yeah, I basically just stopped, you know, putting myself in a position where I had to take shitty jobs working on other people's projects and fulfilling their dreams. Oh, UPS is here again. Oh, okay. Second package. Wow. Sorry about that. Uh, (laughs) that was not set up. Uh, as you can probably surmise by the continuous appearances of UPS, the, their continuous cameos on this podcast Christmas this year. Um, it's a little more plentiful than it has been uh, for the last several, probably ever, actually, but definitely for the last several years, um, for the last six or so years. Um, and uh, I'll circle back to that. But what I was saying is uh, the big gift is I was able to get a trip to Disneyland, um, pay for a trip to Disneyland for us. Huge deal. I was able to get that guitar for myself. Also a huge deal. Um and that's because I, like I said, I decided to start just prioritizing. I started turning down stuff that wasn't worth it to me, that wasn't fulfilling to me, which is a lot of it. Because I mean, if you've list, been listening to this podcast, you know that we've been doing a lot of hard work and a lot of running around for, I mean, it paid the bills, but I mean, it nearly killed me. And I got nothing. I mean, I got some credits out of it, sure. And one thing, you know, one gig would always lead to another, but it would lead to another one of another gig on the same level, pretty much, you know? Um, 
Uh, excuse me. Um, so there was just no forward motion. It wasn't fulfilling on any level. And I was basically just, you know, coming back just to pay bills, uh, you know, and, and we were getting the bills paid, but then like, it'd be a chase to find the next way to pay bills and figure out how long I was going to be away, you know, for that. So it just got old real fast. And the thing that really caught up to me finally was I just mentally, it was crushing me because I, I, you know, I, I felt like it got to a point where I needed to do my own stuff so badly that I don't wanted to fucking just rip my skin off every morning when I woke up because I was just, I just had the need to do something, you know? So, um, basically what, uh, I just, just, you know, repositioned some things and that's enabled, it enabled me to, um, not work, not stop working, period. But I mean, take work that actually meant something to me. Work for people that actually mean something to me, like, you know, Debbie, Lisa, um, Lyle, Graham, those guys, you know, they, they all kind of were really there to help me out when things were really rough. Um, but also just like do work on my own again and just refocus that way and uh, start rebuild from the ground up. Because honestly, that's kind of how that's how it was when I was my most productive, which was a few years ago. You know, closet space, uh, walking. Kincaid, now my cat's driving me crazy. Kincaid, get out of here! Ugh. it's it's like the fates are conspiring to not have me do this podcast. Um, I can't be successful. <laughs> I can't just be a success on every level. So something's got to get. What do you want? Now you want to say some words? You've had a pretty good life too, buddy all these boxes that you're getting from all the stuff we're getting. Um, so yeah, so that's, um, you know, that's part of it and it'll probably lead to, um, I'm to the point where I've actually been looking at, you know, renting, like renting an office again. I haven't had one in years, but I need one because of all the stuff that's coming down the pipe. Um, I just need to, um, I don't know that I've, I've ever put up a picture of my actual sort of working situation and what I'm posting, what I posted a lot of those videos on and the music videos that I've done and uh, what I've been posting this version of Imago on, but it's not ideal. You know, I had an, I had a home office, but now that's Reagan's room. So uh, it just, I'm, I'm quick, I've quickly outgrown all that stuff. And, it, and now it's, um, it's justified itself into being again to where I have to kind of have a space to work. So that's coming along and I can do it without sweating it. Um, and, uh, yeah, a few other things are happening, but so, you know, a lot of the stuff that I'm, I guess to go back to when it really got tough, you know, uh, if anybody can do the math, I mentioned that it started getting really, really difficult probably six years ago. And that was, yeah, it was when Reagan was born. Um, and I've, I've, gone over this a few times, but a couple of things happened, happened simultaneously. Like our kid was born. And then at the, around the same time, I lost my full-time job that I had, um, that, and then everything kind of spiraled out of control, you know, slowly. And we were able to keep it together. You know, at first I, I went and worked at the pizza place. Um, and then I, I worked as a standardized patient and then like in and around that stuff, I was peppering in film work, 
Uh, some of, I mean, like Klinger, I didn't get paid for, but you know, that actually led to a lot of things. So I was, but all that, all that hap- was happening around the same time. And then like, I finally, I couldn't do the pizza thing again. Like it, it literally was running me into the ground. So that's when I kind of stopped and cold descent was the first thing I worked on. Um, pretty much fear free and clear of that stuff. And that kind of marked, and I think that was the beginning of the podcast too. That kind of marked the beginning of me just full time being a film guy. Uh, cause I pretty much, I had to, I had no choice. I just had to make it work. And for a while that did work out and it worked out well, but it just, it worked out well enough, but it, that quickly ran its course too, because it just kind of, it plateaued, you know, I could easily still be doing that, but it's just, it's not enough, man. I'm, I'm about to, I'm going to be 42 in what, nine days. And it's been, um, like 10 years since I directed a movie and seven years since it was released. So is that right? Yeah. Cause it was the November, December. That was almost, you know, that was almost exactly to the day. Cause I think it was December 11th or 12th that it came out. But, um, you know, Imago notwithstanding, it's just been too long, you know, and, and even that that's Chris's movie, you know, obviously I helped him write it and I'm helping him bring it, helping him bring it in. But I'm definitely, I've definitely backed off and, <clears throat> you know, let him sort of decide what he wanted to do with it. So it's like, I need to do my own thing again. And it, <clears throat> it, uh, for a while there I was toying, like I kind of had a lot of stuff, um, rustling around in my head, you know, for more placeholders, but then I wasn't feeling that for a lot of different reasons. And then the standardized patient thing was definitely kind of crazy. And, but uh, that just never came, you know, I had something rustling around in my head for that, but it never came to fruition. But, uh, and then the pizza thing, obviously, but um, all of that stuff kind of all ended up in the, in the, the version of the script that, um, I had done, uh, I actually, if you got a lot of you might remember, I tried to do a Kickstarter for it a few years ago and it was called 30 to 45 then because it was more pizza. It was more leaning towards pizza stuff, but also like the ages that I was, you know, between all that stuff. And, uh, but then of course that never happened. Um, so, but all that stuff eventually found a home in this, I guess the new version of that. So, uh, but we'll get to that, but, um, I guess, what was I? T- oh, I was talking about how everything fell apart. See, I told you it's going to be all over the place because it's just I'm just sort of rambling stream of consciousness. But this is all the crazy thing is like this is all stuff that I live I've lived with literally for the last six or seven years, and I'm only now I really am only now getting my head up above water and getting getting healthy in, physically, mentally, financially, emotionally. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways. So only now can I, you know, do I really have the clarity to sort of like look back at it all. And I'm not even saying I'm, I'm at f- the full level of clarity that I need to be yet. Um, that probably won't come for a while, but a lot of, a lot of the old skin definitely is shed, you know what I mean? And I can kind of look back on it all and, and lick my wounds a little bit and figure out, you know, where to go from here. But, um, you know, like I said, Reagan was born. I lost my job. It was hard to sort of live financially. Uh, things are very stressed around the house. Uh, I would break down almost every night. There are times I'm driving. I was driving around pizzas, and I would just stop in the neighborhood 
and you know, in a cul-de-sac or whatever, and just bawl my eyes out listening to NPR. Not because of anything that was on NPR. It was just because I was just miserable, you know, and NPR was sort of soothing me. There's even a there are a lot of there are a lot of smacked again. I'm trying to stop, guys. Just bear with me. Uh, there are a lot of songs now, specifically from uh, either Into Another or Shelter, that I listen to. And the reason, so I, when I was driving pizzas around, I I instantly, I quickly figured out, oh, I'm going to burn MP3 CDs to leave in my car because I don't have to deal with shutting the iPod off and on because you know it didn't I didn't have Bluetooth it didn't automatically stop it so when I you know when I get out of the car or whatever and uh, so I would burn MP3 CDs of stuff and I just had for whatever reason those were the um, those were the discographies that I had readily available so I, so I burned MP3 CDs of those bands to just sort of play in my car because they were kind of stuff that kept me going and kept me in a relatively good mood while I was doing that work um and i love those bands still i listen to them a lot uh especially when i work out and stuff but there are songs that i'll hear now and it'll instantly take me back to that place and bum me out no matter what my mood is because i i will remember just like either dropping off a pizza and like having a terrible experience or having somebody look at me like you know what the fuck are you doing you nearly 40 year old give you know bringing me this pizza or you know what i mean just it's just one of those situations. It's one of those uh, situations that where people do look down on you, and um, it just you know everything just rips me back emotionally all of a sudden. So, um, but there are a lot of there are a lot of cues like that. It's not just the music. Like I was had to, I had to drive over in that neighborhood the other day to get. Um, I was picking up a gift from Melanie's boss, and I had to go to a wine store over there. And because it's Christmas time and it's over by the mall. Um, I was taking back roads, you know, that I figured out <laughs> when I was driving pizzas around, but just like the routes and the places I was driving by and the, you know, there were certain houses I go to a lot. It was just triggering all this fucking bad shit in my head and um, just, just making me feel like, I just feel like it was a weight, just heavier and heavier on me, just bringing all that stuff back. But it really, and it wasn't just the job and the nature of the job and me not wanting to be there. It was me not making enough money there but still being there all the fucking time. It was where my life was at the time. It's all those things, you know? So all that was happening. Uh, I got in this, because it wasn't enough to make ends meet, I got in this vicious cycle of uh, like pawning a bunch of the shit that I had that was worth anything, which was pretty much just my guitar stuff. Uh, I had to sell all my comics so that fucking happened. So I don't, you know, I, I had, a, a, I don't know if any, you know, a lot of you guys have seen it, but uh, I don't think I ever put pictures up of it, but I had a pretty sizable comic collection. I had a pretty solid X-Men run from like yeah, 150 to pretty much when they canceled Uncanny. It, you know, all that gone, just had to sell it, you know, because I had no other way of, of making rent. I had to, I had all the Walking Deads up to a certain point, sold those. Honestly, I was happy to see those go just because I was kind of burned out on the zombie thing, uh, which ties into something I'll talk about later. But, uh, you know, it, it, drastic measures. But I would, you know, I would get, I would put the, the comics I just had to sell outright. You know, I finally found a guy that would buy them and that saved me for rent one one month. And then um, the guitar stuff I would put in 
And then like I'd go work on a movie gig and make, you know, three, five, eight, 10, 15 grand, whatever, you know? And so you get, you come back with a big chunk of money sometimes, even that you pay bills. So the chunk gets small real fast because you're catching up, you know? And then I'd ha- I'd go and get all that stuff out. But sure enough, you know, work would dry up for a couple of months and then I'd have to go put everything in pawn again. Well, eventually that caught up to me and about, I don't know, I guess it was about a, you know, six months, a year ago, I finally just lo- I lost it all. I lo- I couldn't get my shit out of pawn. They, you know, they took it as they do. And by that point, I'd probably paid way more than it was worth anyway. But all my guitar stuff, boom, gone. I mean, I still have pedals. Uh, that was the only thing I really kept. But I lost my two my two guitars and my bass. Um, but honestly, there's there was baggage along with a, with that stuff too. So where I was like, it sucks that it's gone, and I don't have stuff to work with if I need to record music. But kind of good riddance because those they. they those particular instruments didn't mean as much as they did to me when I got them for um, a lot of reasons, movie related reasons, things blowing up, friendships blowing up, relationships blowing up, people not understanding how the movie shit works. Um, people wanted me to pay them back out of my own pocket when I had no money. You guys get the idea. I don't want to get too far into that, but if you know, you know. Um, so sucks that they were, you know, I, I kind of was part of me was. Like, oh, that solved an emotional problem for me. But the other part of me, you know, I was pissed because I lost my instruments. So, fast, you know, fast forward to now. And like I said, I'm finally starting to kind of, it started with the Mago, I guess, I was, uh, or the, uh, uh, you know, the idea to go and retool a Mago. That was around when I was starting to get back on my feet and realizing, hey, we can do this. I just have to figure it out and I can make this happen and push a little bit. Um, so I got, got some legal support on my side, uh, came up with a couple ideas, the Sadie stuff that some of you have seen and we kind of started moving. And that was kind of when I, it started to reawake, reawaken things in me that had been, you know, atrophied by all the other shit that was going on and not just, working dead end jobs and wanting to, you know, kill myself. But, and that's literally because I, there were nights where I would, I, I really would sit there and think, and I'm like, you know, Melanie and Reagan would be better off if I were not here. You know, how can I do this? I was having the, um, I just listened to a podcast about Bud Dwyer. And I don't know if you guys know that guy's story. It's the, the guy that Hey Man Nice Shot is about, but that was, my situation was not as dire as his, but, his suicide was definitely motivated by how can I take care of my family? It's a great, uh, not a great story, but compelling. It's a compelling story. And I highly recommend you check it out. Listen to the time suck episode about Bud Dwyer. Um, that's a really good representation of it. But anyway, I was, I really was having thoughts along those lines. Like how can I do this and how can I check out to where what I leave behind will at least take care of them. And I'm not bullshit. I'm not being, I'm not trying to be dramatic. You know, it's, this is, these are, these are the thoughts that I was really having and it was getting that dark. And I was, there were, there were nights where I was so close. Like it, it makes me shiver to think about how close I was. Um, and I, then and I also think about, you know, when I did, uh, you know, have, have the heart issues on the grounds, 
I wasn't that freaked out about Don. You know, I was kind of like, oh, well, this solves that problem. You know what I mean? Like, I, I hadn't even – while that was a good gig, I still was – it still was wearing me out and I was uncomfortable and I knew that it would make a difference but not that huge of a difference. So, So even that got painted in that dark light, you know? So anyway, um, geez, I went on this circuitous suicide route. Where was I? It's guitars, Dwyer. Um, do, do, do. Oh, yeah. So, um, Imago, I, so I started to sort of crawl out, finally crawl out of that hole around that time. And I really, I started seeing the world in a different way. I mean, I can't even... And this is before I started training again and before I started the yoga or the vitamins or anything like that. It was really like something I had to do, something I had to pull out of myself, you know. And it wasn't just the money that solved the problems. And it, that was a huge part, though. It was a huge part. Anybody that says that money is the root of all evil or money can't buy happiness, it's just because they don't have enough of it, you know, to <laughs> that's just something they tell themselves, unfortunately. That's, you know, that's poor people talk. That's poor people thinking. I know because I've been poor all my life, but that's, you know, being able to take care of yourself and pay your bills is a huge key to that. Um, and I'm not saying like be exorbitant, but um, just the basics, man, so you don't have to worry about it because uh, that frees your mind up to do so many other things. So anyway, um, my shit went into pawn. Uh, so that was the last sort of, I guess, big hit that I took is that I lost all that stuff. This was after losing all the stuff in Harvey, uh, and then not becoming whole after that. Um, I, uh, you know, we're still wrestling, to, to get paid back for that stuff. I keep getting denied, denied, denied. Anyway, we're slowly figuring that out. But the guitar stuff, I guess, hurt more because I, I was directly responsible for losing that. And it was direct. I could tie that directly to me not being able to get my shit together or get a, you know, getting a, a place where I was stable financially. And then I lost my car. Uh, I don't know if I told that story, but yeah, a uh, car got stolen and I couldn't, Obviously, I was not in a position to get a new one uh, because I was sort of struggling from all that stuff. Uh, but a couple of friends reached out and helped me. A couple of people I've worked for recently, um, they were freaking ride or die, dude. I don't, I don't want to put them on blast, but uh, they know that they are. Their help is very was very welcome and uh, needed and appreciated and. As I talk about not working for other people and you know re redo you know re realigning myself and refocusing, they know that I don't mean them. <laughs> even before even before they did that, they were they were in a class by themselves. Honestly, they were honestly. I feel like this group of people was the only group of people to really care about. Real and it showed on the movies too to really care about what what to me as a person what we were doing and to be real and not just shitty film bullshit. Um, anybody that's done it long enough knows what I mean. Um, it was, it, it, the work extended beyond like their own ego. Um, so that helped out, you know, that kind of kept me from stumbling completely and falling on my face. Um, but that, yeah, so we started, you know, I started circling the wagons for the Imago stuff, started talking to two star about doing the music. They were stoked. 
because uh, we, we had to you know do a drastic re-edit of the movie to add to change some things account for some of the shots that we were having issues with and then like add in the new Sadie stuff that I came up with. Um, so just the whole thing need, needed to be retooled, but all of it was coming together and everybody was down and, you know, all of our post guys out West were down to help and to do it. So that kind of reignited the fire. And then, you know, the more I, the more I kind of started working on that stuff, the more I started thinking about, um, well, actually, you know, well, it, more I started thinking about doing stuff for myself, and um, and how we could get another thing going because Chris and I had been doing Chris and I and Brittany have been working on all these videos, music videos, just because they're they kind of they they came along and they were relatively easy to do, but the work that we put into them, there are two in particular. Um, one is the Oceans of Slumber video. I think it's the last one, the, the Decay of Disregard, I think the one with the choir. Uh, and then the Burn video that hasn't come out yet um, for reasons that I can't get into, um, but it's banned and label reasons, I guess. Um, but I, I've put pictures up of that shoot we were doing, and I've talked about doing the video. Um, but they were productions. You know, like we, and the crew was just me and Chris or me and Chris and Brittany or me, Chris and Domingo, you know, and then on the burn video, we had Christy come in and do makeup. She fucking murdered it. We actually worked that in conjunction with the Imago reshoots and she killed that as well. Christy Bull, uh, who I've been trying to get on here, but she's, she's shy. She don't want to do a podcast. Um, I'll get her on eventually. Um, cause we're about to do some more stuff. Um, but anyway, she came in and just killed it. And so we were, we were doing music videos, but they were pretty high production and the work that we put into them, it was getting pretty close to like, man, we should have just kind of, this could be part for week one of a feature and maybe do another week or two, you know, if we worked it out right. So I started thinking about it and I was like, dude, why, why am I not doing that? Why am I, I'm not going to say wasting energy on this stuff, but I mean, the burn video hadn't come out yet and we spent a lot of time on that and it's kind of irking me a little bit because it took a lot, it took a lot of mountains to move to get that together. And now it's kind of languishing. Um, nobody's, I mean, it's nobody's fault really. It's just the way things happen, but it just sucks to throw all that energy out and then it kind of go nowhere. If I'm going to do that, and take the time and energy and money, why am I not doing that for another one of my movies, right? So, and it's kind of the thinking that led me to do placeholders in the beginning, honestly. Uh, so, at, you know, I was going down that road again and thinking in those terms again, I really took another look at <clears throat> the 30 to 45 um, idea. And, you know, back when we did the Kickstarter, I thought about, you know, I had, one, I had one way of doing it in my head and that, that whole thing blew up in my face for a lot of different reasons. A lot of people that I thought would help didn't, uh, a lot of people that I just helped out didn't help out. And I don't mean just like giving me money. I bitched about this before, but you know, people wouldn't even repost it. You know, there were people that I had just bailed out of stuff, you know, and they didn't even throw my link out there 
Whereas people that I screwed over in high school, like posted it several times. So, you know what I mean? Like that stuff just like puts things in weird perspective. Um, but you never, you know, social media, the internet in general kind of shows you who people really are, I guess. Um, it's, it's both, it's both the most dishonest and the most honest place in the world. But, uh, that, that kind of, it soured things for me about that for a long time. But, you know, the more I talked to Lisa and the more I talked to Debbie, not, not even necessarily about that, but talking to Debbie about trying to get her movie made and just the process and then just finding ways to get shit done. And we're all kind of in the same boat, you know, even though Lisa's been in those nightmare movies and, you know, Debbie has the illustrious career, like we're all still struggling. That's why they're my homegirls. You know, that's why we talk so much. That's why I, like I can confide in them, you know, um, because they, they have, they've had the same ups and downs as me, you know? Um, but, that kind of got my wheels turning and I was just, I just sat there and I was like, how do I, how can we do this? You know, with, with what means we have, what can I do to make this happen? And then I reached out to everybody that had been involved the first time around who all, all of whom I still really talk to. And I just asked them, Hey, you know, if I find a way to pull the trigger on this, um, would you guys still be down? And it was like a uni- unanimous, yes, hell yeah. You can count on my steel kind of reaction. So that made me feel pretty good. Um, but, uh, you know, then I – parts of the script are really ambitious. Um, and it was hard for me to get my head around how to do certain those things. And then the more I thought about it and the more I dug into it, the more I tweaked it to sort of like – because it's kind of like been growing constantly to incorporate – because it is very autobiographical to an extent, I every few months I'll go in and tweak it and add new stuff or tweak things to reflect kind of what's happened or where I'm at at that moment. Because it's 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 just a living script, you know, uh, up until the point we shoot it, and then I can see myself even in the edit, you know, adding shit. Um, but uh, the the more I started to sort of really mold it into its new form. Uh, there in the initial version, there were a couple of sequences that were intended to be animation, uh, kind of like dream sequency, weird shit. But then I, I like more of the movie kind of took on that aspect. I'm like, what if, okay, what if this scene was animated and what if this was stop motion and <coughs> excuse me, what if I farmed this out to someone? And honestly, like it, part of the reason that I started thinking that way was because I've met, I've come across and met and become really good friends with a lot of talented animators, all in different styles. And the movie kind of lends itself to doing things that way. So that's kind of where I'm headed with some of it. But then like a lot of it is still live action too. It's just, it's just taken on this weird new form uh, where it's, where it's almost mixed media. You know, there, there are puppets too. Um, there's a couple of puppet sequences. It definitely is unlike, (laughs) it's unlike anything that I've done, but also unlike anything that's out there now. Um, it's not a horror movie either. So that's different. Uh, it's definitely, it's still just a dark comedy. It's got weird horror ish elements, I guess. Um, but it's the most, I think Debbie, (laughs) Debbie's most recent reaction was that, it's it's a very male script, so that makes me feel pretty damn good. 
Um, and it's interesting because it's a, it's it starts kind of emotionally in a place where that is really not necessarily me now. It's me now, but it's also me from like my 20s. Just because at the time I started writing that script, I didn't have a kid yet. Because um, it, it started a while, even before I had the kid. Um, and I didn't. And then even while I was writing it as a new father, I mean, still a new father, but I didn't think I could emotionally write a script dealing with all this stuff as a, you know, and, and, and have the character be married with a kid and deal with it the right way to make it compelling. Um, so it's a weird amalgamation of me in my twenties and me now, but then I, I have another script that I wrote that I always talk about these two, um, 30 to what's, what was called 30 to 45 is now called something else, but that, and this other script mystery spot that I wrote, that was also kind of just me venting, you know, out of sadness. But they're kind of – I always compare them to regulation uh, – regulators and desperation, uh, the, the Stephen King slash Richard Bachman books that are sort of like mirror images of, or inverted versions of one another. And it really is true even more so now. Like a lot of the same people – and I, I kind of did it on purpose a little bit, but Mystery Spot I wrote more – once I came to terms with more of that stuff and what I was dealing with, but it deals with a lot of the same issues, but looking at it from two different angles, you know, um, more of a younger, naive, um, angle. And then like an older, uh, jaded sort of angle. Um, but I feel like the 30 to 45 version is the one I sort of need to make first. Uh, even though Mystery Spot is also written to be an easier, th- an easy thing to do, it's still a little, little more ambitious, and I'd like a little more time and a little bit bigger crew. But uh, the uh, movie, formerly known as Thirty to Forty Five, just <laughs> uh, I guess we'll just be calling those. A lot. I have the title, I just don't want to give it away yet. Um, that is more of we can do that with the setup that we did the music videos with, I think because it's the live action parts are very placeholders-y. So I think, and, and, and I, I think they can easily be shot that way and, um, it will lend itself to the vibe. Um, but yes, for just to, just to recap, like the, uh, the cast includes, uh, it's Debbie, it's got Debbie in it. Uh, Lisa Wilcox, Angela Moore from fishbone. Um, Omar Adam is the lead. Um, we've got uh, Ty Blue as uh, Zombie Guy, <laughs> um, who's sort of like the lead character's. Uh, that's what I meant by there are some horror elements. He's sort of like the lead character's um, id. Uh, and then there are a few other, there are a few other returning uh people like Jill Broomer is in it. She was in uh one of the episodes or a couple of the episodes of Placeholders. Uh she was in Jerry Ochoa's movie. Um Chelsea McCurdy is in it. Uh so a lot of local people that I've worked with before, a lot of them on placeholders, people that were in the movies. Um so it's it's basically this if we go if you were to go pull up the old Kickstarter for thirty to forty five, it's pretty much the same cast. It's just some of them are now essaying animated characters or animated versions of their characters at the same time. So um, we're actually starting that. Uh, we're actually starting that one. 
on pretty much on my birthday. Uh, I'm working around uh, people flying, people coming in for the holidays. We're casting Ty for the zombie guy stuff at Christie's. That's what I meant. We're doing stuff with her soon. We're starting that. We're going to start recording some of the voice stuff so I can send it off to the animators, which are mostly overseas. So I'll have that sent off by the first, probably. Uh, so we're getting a few of the characters. And then I think when we're either Omar's coming here in January and or when we go there to wrap up Imago, the movie formerly known as Imago, in January to record, uh, we will also we will get some of his lines to send off to the animators. Then at some point, January, February, <coughs> excuse me, let me, get, let me get, drink some more water real quick. Mm. Uh, pardon me. At some point in uh, probably more like early February, um, because we're waiting on, in a lot of the live action things we're shooting, uh, we need Debbie. And for those of you that don't know, she's going through radiation therapy right now for her brain tumor. It came back, but... Um, She's got like an eight-week treatment that she has to do, and then she's ready to go. She's and uh, she's she's very ready to go. Um, so we're waiting for her to get that done. Um, and I've been talking to her about it constantly. So so basically, when she's ready to go, then we'll do the shoot. <coughs> we'll start setting up the shoots for the live action things, um, because like I said, they involve a lot of a lot of her. Um, so. That's what's going on with that. Um, and for those of you that donated to the Kickstarter back when it was going, we're it's the same movie. I mean, it's not this same movie. It's I've definitely rewritten it and added some things and uh, added some hilarious things. Um, but it's essentially the, the, the spine of it that is the same. So it's the same movie in spirit. So we're definitely honoring all of those, all of those donations. Uh, I still have the list of people. Actually, a lot of the I, – I sat on that money, believe it or not, with the hopes that we would someday be able to make it. And so that is actually going to the you know, the production budget for this, which is minuscule. Um, but we can do it like, I did, like we did the videos. It's along the same lines. Like I said, it's going to happen. And it's going to be uh, – it's going to be nuts and fun. Um yeah, so uh, that that brings us to um, what did I? I'm looking at my notes to try to remember where to go. Oh, I wrote down: Am I black enough? <laughs> That's what I was going to call this podcast. I may still call it that. Um, but in going back through, in going back through uh, thirty to forty-five, and sort of doing the rewrite, one thing that I've always sort of wrestled with on that movie is there's a, a lot of it has to do with it's it's not just my um issues with working in this film world and not being one of the cool kids genre wise or in the indie film world and not having the money and not living out there and then not getting the it's you know it's it's not just that stuff but also there's a lot of there's a lot of weird racial there's a lot of weird racial stuff that's in there because I've had a lot of I've touched on it here before, but there are a lot of weird racial conversations I've had I had with producers in meetings or just regarding other projects um, along the way, and it's gone both ways. You know, like I <clears throat> when I was pitching, I had this ghost movie that I was trying to do, 
That's the one that got plagiarized and stolen. Um, we'll talk about that at some point, I guess. Although it doesn't really matter now. Um, but there's stuff about that in the movie. Um, we, I, But I was trying to get it sold and made for a long time. And the lead character, is very important that the lead character was multiracial, mixed, black. And uh, it was a ghost movie set in New Orleans... Uh, with racial tones and a in a multiracial lead character, and I continually got told that you know no one would peop, audiences wouldn't respond to that. Uh, they wouldn't respond to a genre movie with a you know multiracial or black lead character. Um, and w- a couple of times people asked me if I could make him more urban or more ethnic or make him in the in the in the script he's a writer. Um, make him more like a drug. Someone actually asked me if I could make him a drug dealer. So it's crazy conversations like that that I've sort of ported over directly into this script. Um, but the funny thing about that is, so I'm trying to, you know, mind you, I'm trying to sell that script probably, shit, man, it's almost been a decade, <clears throat> at least seven or eight years ago. But of course, what's the biggest horror movie the last few years? Get Out, written by a, multi, written by a mixed guy starring a black guy. And of course, when that comes out, everybody's like, wow, why haven't people done this? This is always going to, this, and now everybody wants to do that. But, you know, my script existed before, way before that. It's just nobody wanted to take a chance on it. So, and you know, that there's a level of frustration to that. I'm not going to lie. I mean, all that stuff is kind of weirdly poisoned for me. Like, I can't watch, no one gets this, but I can't sit there and watch horror movies now just because it's so. There are so many weird layers to it. It's either like I know some asshole that made it that didn't deserve to get the money to make it or I work with some asshole that's a jerk that made it or it reminds me of something that I couldn't get made and this is a worse version of it. You know, whether or not it, uh, that's true, it still is all poison. So it's like I just – all my, my viewing habits have all been comedies and documentaries lately and even the comedy stuff is starting to get a little weird for me uh, for other reasons. But <clears> – <throat> Um. Yeah, it's it, it's really like all this stuff has sort of definitely changed, changed the way I look at life. You know, like uh, I don't really con- I don't consume genre stuff that much anymore. Uh, aside from the, I mean, obviously the nightmare stuff is always going to be there. Um, Melanie and I had been making a run through all, like the Hammer classics and like the Universal classics because that stuff is sort of untouched and it's all. It's different than what's been going on in the genre world at large lately. But I just – all that – and there's a lot of stuff in the movie about this or in the script, <clears throat> the formerly 30 to 45 movie. But it's like that is kind of a world sort of either behind or aside me now. Like I don't even – I'm not even interested in working on – like working on that stuff now. Like if if someone gave me money to make either the ghost script or – even mystery spot right now, they're just going to fund it outright. It would be hard for me to do it because it's my mind and my heart is not there right now because I have to, it's like an an ex-girlfriend type situation, you know, like I have to get right with it. And the way that I'm trying to get right with it is via this other movie that kind of deals with all my issues with that. So I think once I get through that and once I have that sort of catharsis, experience by putting this stuff out into the world, then maybe I can return and do my own thing. But, 
um, like, you know, Imago gives me anxiety. The movie formerly known as Imago gives me anxiety if for no other reason than I'm going to have to deal with that world again, you know? And I just know, having done it so many times, I just know how it's going to go, you know? I've seen how the world, how that world operates and, you know, who's buddies with who and who's always going to be in the good graces and whose shit's never going to stink. And it, you know, it bums me out. There's not a whole lot of room for like new voices. Like I don't think they make you think there is, but I, I find it very suspect. Like if you do your research enough, you know, everything's all weirdly connected. So it's, it almost seems like a, you know, like a futile fight to try to get something out in that world if you're not part of the the cool kids gang. But, you know, whatever. Maybe maybe I'm completely wrong. What do I know? But we'll see. But anyway, the uh the uh Am I Black Enough thing. Well, I went on a real real big tangent tangent there, I guess. Uh, it's, it's all it's all anger. It's all anger of some different of some shade. Um when as I'm rewriting it, I always have these moments because it's got a lot of the racial stuff in there. I have moments where I'm like, man, should I leave that in? You know, that's kind of now, especially now that everybody's gotten pretty sensitive about this stuff in talking about those situations. And, and let me be clear, like I've not only had those conversations with white people talking about talking kind of racially charged about black characters or black material. It's also gone the other way for me because remember, I'm like Blade. I, you know, I can, <laughs> I'm a daywalker. I'm white and black. Um, so uh, I've also had a couple of weird conversations the other direction. Uh, like when I was trying to shop placeholders around and there was a, there was a quote unquote urban channel that was interested in it. And their first question to me was, you know, where are all the black people at? Because it's a multi, it's a multiracial cast. And there are black people in the show and a black guy, me, made the show. And I guess I wasn't black enough, but I'm like, I'm just as black as Obama is, right? Because I'm half black, half white. Uh, And he's our first black president. So why can't I be black, that black in this situation? It's just a weird thing, right? So, uh, so my, my, but it got me thinking, uh, like there are, so there are times there are definitely times in my life, and here's N-word alert, I'm going to say it, uh, so just heads up if that's going to bother you, but there are de- there are several times in my life where I have been called nigger, or someone like my dad, or my mom, has, like my mom's been called a nigger lover, you know, in front of me a lot. Uh, uh, when I was a kid, I've been called nigger by people I went to school with. My dad, obviously, my dad being fully black, he, I've heard him call it a lot. I've heard him call other people that, you know, and that without the hard R. But there, there are a couple of uses of that word in the script, and I started sort of psyching myself out about it. I was like, man, can I – am I black enough to say the N-word? Like, can I, can I say nigger? Even in written form, if someone else says it, like, will I get in trouble for saying it or writing it? But I've been called it, so I feel like if you've been called it more than like five times, which I have definitely more than that, you should be able to say it, right? And it's in response <clears> – <throat> it's actually a true quote. <clears throat> Sorry. I'm getting punished for saying the N-word. It's actually a direct quote from someone saying something to me uh, um, in, in, a, 
it's a funny scene actually, but so but I but I started really second guessing it because I also like in sending the script out to people, I would second guess myself because you know people like Angela are going to read it, and I'm like, is he gonna? I did. My family's here. La, 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 la. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Um, where was I? Um, yeah, I'm back uh, post-training, post-dinner, post-Epsom salt bubble bath, and now my kid and wife are asleep, so if I sound a little a little more solipsistic, that's, uh, that's why. Um, and also I'm washing clothes in the background, so, uh, you might be able to hear that, but, um, we'll deal with it. This is kind of a laid back, this is a real talk, uh, <laughs> so we'll just leave it all in. Um, another reason that I need to go ahead and get that office going again. But anyway, what I was saying, uh, I think I was talking about, um, oh yeah, figuring out whether or not I was black enough to say the N-word. Um... And I would get real anxiety about it because, like, I'm sending the script out to, you know, people like Angelo and then other people that I feel like I feel like I almost have to write on the script. Hey, remember, guys, I'm half black, like on the cover, um, just to remind them that, <laughs> you know, I've got some, I guess, some ownership of the term or, you know, ability to say it and not be penalized. Um, I feel like I have to sometimes like I, it's always like I have to explain it even not just saying that but just anything where I speak to the black experience I feel like I have to um, then explain what I'm doing you know explain myself and or show a picture of my dad or something like I guess the closest example I could think of this year was probably Black Panther and talking about that and talking about the effects of it and how it affected you know certain people and a certain population and what it meant to black people and I would feel like every time uh, I spoke about that to someone that didn't know me well enough, like I'd have to justify, you know, so I didn't sound like I was white-splaining <laughs> or, you know, like people that are, um, there was a, there's a lot of that around that too, but people that mean well, but they kind of, they don't really get, they don't really know or get the experience of being a person of color. They're very sympathetic but you know what I'm saying. They're spe- they're kind of speaking out of turn. Uh, a lot of indie musicians and uh, indie artists that I can think of that do that. But um, it, it can it can get kind of weird sometimes and preachy. But uh, I don't want to come across as one of those guys. So it's it's like sometimes I feel like I have to overexplain. Uh, but that's how I feel. You know, I always feel like I am walking that dangerous line. But again, these are things that really happen to me. They're things that happen to me because I'm mixed um so i feel like they're important conversations to have and um all the stuff with the script especially the previous script i think is i don't know it's it's like you can't you can't make that stuff up so it's like those are stories i really feel i need to tell um so yeah so that's it's it's definitely a something that's always sort of percolating in the back of my mind um and actually, just this—I uh, sent the final version of the script to Angelo uh, last last week, I think, and um, hadn't heard back from him. And uh, one one reason, the probable reason, 
is that uh, Fishbone is about to do a bunch of they, they do a they do Christmas shows, a series of Christmas shows every year that are coming up, and that is likely why uh, you know he's been busy probably practicing. But I started to freak out, kind of like, hey, you know, was some of it too? Str- is, is he not? Does he not understand that I'm writing this from the perspective of someone of color? Or does he think I'm just some other stupid, you know, stupid guy trying to plug into that and trying to write like, you know, black folk? <laughs> um, and, I, you know, I, th- I think that's been clear, but it's still it's that stuff worries me, you know. And uh, but it turned, you know, I just actually literally in in the space between when we stopped recording when my wife and kid came in, and when I just started, I actually got an email from both him and his manager, and it's all good. So it it really was what I thought. It's like they were busy, um, they were busy with the uh, prep for those shows, so no big deal there. But um, yeah, it's uh, definitely a loaded a loaded situation, and I'm really curious to see how people take the uh, take the material when it does come out because I don't think there are the, the way it's presented I think is complicated I don't think there are really easy answers and there are lots of lines that I have to make sure that I don't it's weird because it's like I have to I had to find a way to speak about it um, all well the whole not just it not just that but the whole experience from an honest place but at the same time, presenting it as it happened, honestly, could easily in this climate be read in ways that I don't intend. You know, and, and obviously art always has multiple meanings. It's what it means, what, what meaning you're trying to put out there, and then also what meaning people assign to it. I mean, that's that can be pretty valid sometimes. So no matter your intention, sometimes things can come off the wrong way. Um, and one of the things that I kind of struggled with was a lot, the, the, just the, 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 um, how can I say this? Just the way the races broke up among the people that sort of surround lead, the lead character because honestly, at the time, a lot of this stuff was happening. Um, a lot of the people in my life, for whatever reason, were more, you know, white than they were of another color, and it just kind of happened that way. But, in through no real reason, and a lot of it is also, um, I don't, I don't have, I don't really have a close relationship with my father. I'm starting to try for on you know on Reagan's behalf I'm trying to really cultivate that just because I want her to have that you know I want her to have that aspect um, of blackness in her life but uh, it's not like he's someone I go to for support or anything really so you know we're missing that big chunk and then it just a lot of the other people that I know that are my friends that are black or whatever, I just didn't see a lot of around that time because I didn't see a lot of anybody that wasn't directly, um, like inner, inner circle, which is like two or three people. It's like, yeah, I don't even think I saw much of Domingo around that time, to be honest. 
just because I kind of went underground. So it was really just my family and, you know, my immediate family. And then, you know, like Chris, because we were working on stuff. So, and I didn't want that to come across as some weird white savior message. You know what I mean? Just from the absence of having people of color in there. So it's like I had to tweak things just to make it, just to make sure people wouldn't take away the wrong idea. Um, and the, you know, it, people that are people that are representing other people in the story. You know, like I said, those I want to make them representative of the actual people, and so it was, it's just a weird, you know, a weird kind of thing to try to walk. But I had to really keep all that stuff at the at the forefront of my mind um, to to make sure it all kind of <clears throat> balanced out in a way that people didn't focus on that being the message. I mean, honestly, the the I again the lead character is clearly multiracial his um spirit guide uh so to speak is uh you know one of the most famous black indie rock rock black rock musicians there is um and uh so it's like i don't feel like i need to argue it past that but you never know how people are going to take some stuff so anyway um it's been it's definitely been a journey and i i tried to get to a point to where i get it to a point to where it didn't make me uncomfortable well it made me uncomfortable in all the right ways <laughs> you know like if there's some, like some real truth or real embarrassing stuff on there because that's the those are the that's the those are the best moments you know and that's the stuff people plug into but uh I also didn't want to sanitize it too much um, as far as just like making it palatable for everybody because that's not the story, you know. That's not the story. Again, it's a lot of it is so steeped in reality. That's not the story that happened. It's not the story I want to tell. It's not the way things went down. So um, hopefully I succeeded. I mean, everybody that's read it so far has really responded to it. And that's, you know, Debbie, Lisa, Angelo, Richard Reilly, who's playing. Um, kind of the business partner um he uh he said it was wonderfully insane or something like that i can't i need to go back and read his email from the last draft but it uh that dude's worked with like some major comedic comedic talents and what he said about this you know this last draft of the script was very very supportive and very kind so i know that guy sees a lot of stuff and participates in a lot of stuff so he doesn't you know, if it if it's getting that reaction out of him, then hopefully I I'm doing something right. So I'm looking forward to um, making it start happen. On uh, you know, like I said, we're doing we're casting we're doing Ty's headcast on my birthday with Christy. So that's kind of when it starts, and then we're going to do a recording session with him to get stuff going, and uh, then we're off to the races, and I'll be kind of simultaneously working on that along with finishing up the Imago stuff and kind of making them work in tandem as well and there's actually a third project that um, we're doing that's not mine but I'll be very involved with hopefully that also involves a lot of the people that were kind of I think 
logistically if we can make it all work together because it involves a lot of going back and forth and traveling. So it, a lot of it will probably piggyback, you know, on one another. Um, just to save time and moving around and everybody all being in the same spot because we're all kind of scattered around now. Um, so that's the plan. So that'll be our, you know, spring, basically, spring 2019. Um, yeah, and we're working on, again, like we I said, we have a, um, we have a definite, looks like a hard out for the movie for, formerly known as Imago. So early next year, you'll probably start to see, we'll probably do, you know, do the official poster release for the new title and maybe set up a screening. I mean, I've kind of been working on one. We'll see if it happens. Um, but uh, it'll be this time next year, I think people will have finally seen the movie, <laughs> which is kind of crazy to say, but I'm excited to get it out there. Um and uh, yeah, so that's pretty much the state of the union, um, as I see it for right now. Hopefully, this wasn't too all over the place and confusing. But like I said, a lot of this stuff has been sort of brewing in my head for a long time. So you know, there's it's it's just been shaking back and forth, shaking back and forth. So uh, yeah, I'm sure it all came out. You know, a lot of it came out like word vomit, but you get the general idea. Um. I am hoping to start doing these with more regularity uh, as we move forward, especially since we actually have some activity going on. Uh, and I'm going to see who I can catch um, and maybe sit down and talk to um, while while they're here for either you know working on my thing or just here for the holidays. I've got a couple things I've been working on that are pretty exciting uh, as far as getting people on the podcast. So um, here's hoping that they work out. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's all I have, um, based on, based on my notes that I'm double checking really quickly. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that pretty much catches us up to now. So, um, you'll start to see stuff go up, um, regarding the former 30 to 45. Uh, I actually have. I think attached to the attached to the links on Instagram and stuff that I'll put up when this goes up will be a lot of the um, uh, the character models and um, character sketches that we've been doing with our friend Matt Orsman, uh, who's been helping me get everything set and modeled out for the animator, so they have you know character sheets to guide them as to what everybody looks like. So I'm pretty happy with how the how you know the look is coming the vibe, the style. Um, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see some of the more wacky, some of the more wacky bits. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, going to be an adventure. So, but, uh, it'll definitely purge a lot of things that I've been, that I've been holding in, like, you know, cancer, I guess you could say for a long time. Um, and I think it's time to, time for them to be you know out in the world so yeah that uh that'll wrap up this episode and i promise there won't be as huge of a break uh, like i said it's just all this stuff has been crazy and then you know just setting all the keeping up with everything's been crazy and then like add on top of that the holidays you know make everything 10 times more hectic 
So uh, I'll try to stay on top of it more. I appreciate you guys for sticking around, for listening. And I will uh, talk to you all soon. is part of the B&E Network, brought to you by bmovies and ebooks.com.